Okay, my goal for this is two parts. So the first part is the main part, which is to kind of give um, an introduction to the readings that we encounter at Mass. So not these particular readings, but the readings in general that we hear whenever we come to Sunday Mass or a Holy Day of Obligation. The second part is to kind of begin to dive into our Gospel passage. Uh, so basically to take um, a little bit of what we talked about in the first part and to bring it into the, the passages that we hear today. So first, there's this. So I'm aware that I'm quite young, than a lot of you here. Um, so some of what I'm sharing with you, you may already be well familiar with. So if that's the case, I apologize. This could just be a great opportunity for review. I'm also aware though that there are many people who have been coming to Mass for a long time who simply, for no fault of their own, just don't necessarily understand, like why do we read the readings that we read at Mass week after week? And like, what's the difference? I know how easy it is, because I experience this sometimes sitting in that chair there, I know how easy it is to actually tune out during the readings and to catch yourself asking the question, what was that one about again? So that's not lost on me either, and that's kind of the purpose of talking about this. So we know that when we come to Mass, there are three readings and a psalm response. So some people refer to the psalm response as another reading, so some people say there's four readings when we come to Mass. Um, I refer to it as three readings. The first reading, which is most often from the Old Testament, except during Easter when it's from the New Testament, from the Acts of the Apostles. Then there's the psalm response, and then there's the second reading, which is always from the New Testament, oftentimes from St. Paul, uh, but sometimes from other books of the New Testament. And then, of course, there's always the Gospels. There are three years' worth of readings in our calendar that we follow as a church. So it's a, a three-year cycle. There's cycle A, cycle B, and cycle C. Very original, I know. Cycle A, so the cycles are based entirely on which gospel is primarily read during the year. Specifically, primarily read during ordinary time. So during year A, we hear from the gospel of Matthew during year B from the Gospel of Mark, and during year C from the Gospel of Luke. These are called the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're synoptic. In other words, they give a synopsis of the life of Jesus. They're more of a narrative, like Jesus did this, then this happened, then this happened. Right? That's the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we, we focus on them during three years because even though they're all about Jesus and they're all generally the same, it's actually really cool that each one focuses on different aspects in the life of Jesus because their intended audience, their primary audience is different. Matthew writes primarily for a Jewish audience. So he puts things in his gospel related to the prophecies of the Old Testament because the Jewish people are so familiar with the Old Testament. And so he wants to point to them that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. Mark is writing primarily to a Roman audience. So he'll tend to want to explain some things every now and then about like, why are they doing this? Why do they take so much time to wash their hands before eating meals? Luke is writing 
uh, to a Gentile audience, so a non-Jewish audience, people who don't necessarily have religion in their lives. So he's writing to, to pronounce to them or announce to them that the gospel message isn't just for God's chosen people, the Jewish people, but in fact that it's now for all people, even those who are Jewish and who are not. So it's really cool seeing the different emphasis placed by each gospel writer. So anyways, it's a three-year cycle. So for example, let's say you started coming to Mass in 1970, right? That's 51 years ago, 17 years before I was born. But let's say you started going to Mass in 1970, right? 51 years ago, 51 divided by three, that would mean this is your 17th time through the three-year cycle of readings. Okay, so the, the Gospels happen every three years. The first reading that we hear and the Psalm often go together. It's like you can hear the first reading and then you can hear the Psalm and it's like, the psalm response is almost in response to the first reading. And then those two together very oftentimes fit together with the gospel passage. Right? You might notice this. We jump around. Sometimes we hear from second book of Kings. Sometimes we hear from Isaiah. Then we might hear from Jeremiah. And then we go back to Isaiah. And then sometimes we go to other different books in the Old Testament. That's because the church isn't trying to just get us to read through these books. Although that is a really good thing to do in your spare time. Right? But the church isn't, during Mass, during our liturgy, trying to get us to you know, read through these straight books, but instead is trying to help us see connections between the Old Testament to Jesus, to see that Jesus is the fulfillment. And we'll talk about that once we get to the second part of the psalm, which will be much shorter than the first part. The second reading, oftentimes, like I said, from either St. Paul or always from either St. Paul or one of the other letter writers, right? A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, like we hear today, or a reading from the first letter of St. John, or a reading from the second letter of St. Peter, right? That's always from the leaders, uh, the writers. And those always go straight through. So if you've noticed when you've come to Mass for the last, I think, three weeks now, maybe four, we've been reading from the letter to the Ephesians. And what we're doing is we're reading a letter that's not necessarily connected to the gospel in the first reading, although sometimes there can be a good application in there, but it's not necessarily connected. This is the church inviting us to spend time, even if the preacher doesn't preach about it, to spend time hearing one letter almost straight through. Sometimes we skip chunks of letters, but almost straight through, just to hear, like, what exactly did Paul say to the Ephesians? And to try to, try to get a grasp of that whole letter uh, throughout a series of weeks. Okay, so that's, that's what's going on. So my encouragement for you in this first part of the homily is that when you come to Mass, or perhaps even before you come to Mass, to find the readings ahead of time and see if you can actually make the connection between the first reading and the Gospel. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you actually like, have to work at it. I know this because I have to preach about it. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I don't know if I get the connection. Maybe I'll just skip the first reading this week. Right? See if you can see the connection. And then what I like to do is after I've seen the connection, I've just spent some time reading the first reading and sort of just like trying to imagine it or trying to get a grasp on whatever prophet is being read. 
And then I spend some time with the gospel passage and I try to imagine myself in the scene and I imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to be in the particular scene or to be one of his disciples watching everything taking place, right? Then I see the connection and then I read the second reading and I see, is there like a practical application that Paul or whoever is giving to me, giving to us from these two readings before? Right? It's just like, it's, it's a really great way, I think, for us to prepare for Sunday Mass. So that when we come to Sunday Mass, it's not the first time that we've heard these readings being read. Now, I know that many of us are busy and you might not have time for that, and that's fine. But maybe when you are here, it can give you a chance to try to be especially attentive during the readings to sort of see, like, what's going on? Okay, now, why, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because of this. Whenever you hear a reading that doesn't seem to fit with that pattern, it should cause you to sort of reflect, to think about, okay, what's going on? What's different here? Because this is what happens. A lot of times during Lent and the Easter season, we don't hear from one of the synoptic gospels. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we hear from the fourth gospel, which is John. So when we're hearing from John, because John is a gospel about Jesus, he's writing about Jesus, but he writes from a different kind of perspective. It's as though John says, okay, you three guys, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you've got the basics covered. I'm going to kind of write from a different perspective. John, we could say, writes from maybe a more theological perspective, right? We could say that well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are writing about Jesus on the ground, right? They're, they're down there with him. Even though Luke wasn't an apostle, he, he probably, you know, like was there. He was getting firsthand, uh, um, firsthand stories told by the, the apostles. So he was grasping this. And Mark would have been the same way. Mar uh, John, on the other hand, it's like he's an eagle soaring above. And so he gives this eagle eye view, this bird's eye view of what's going on in the bigger picture. So sometimes John's gospel is a little bit more difficult to understand because sometimes he can be a bit more abstract, less concrete and practical. Although he still has those parts in his gospel, sometimes it's like, okay, what in the world is going on? So anyway, so when you come to Mass, if you hear from the gospel of John, that should cause you to sort of wonder like, okay, what's going on? And now this is why I bring this up, because we heard from the gospel of John today. Right, we're in year B, right? So what does that mean? The last few weeks of ordinary time, we've been hearing from the Gospel of Mark. And now, the church switched it up on us. We heard from the Gospel of John, and if you look ahead to our readings for the coming weeks, we're going to be hearing from the Gospel of John for five straight weeks, except normally this happens. This year, it's unfortunate that the Assumption of Mary falls on a Sunday, so she kind of gets in the way. And not actually, I love Mary, okay? I love Mary, but she's kind of getting in the way. She's ruining my homily today because, because in four weeks, instead of hearing from the Gospel of John, we're going to hear from the Gospel of Luke, which is really nice and whatever, but it, you know, it's a, a different reason to, call, or to pause and, and reflect. Anyway, so we're hearing from John chapter 6, which is an, an especially important chapter for us as Catholic Christians because John chapter 6 talks very, very specifically about the Eucharist. We're not going to talk about that yet because Jesus gets to that part. 
But John chapter 6 is a super important chapter. Jesus is revealing who he is. He's challenging us to consider why it is that we come to him. And then he's revealing a deeper identity so that when he ascends into heaven after his resurrection, we can understand more fully who, like how he's still here with us in a very real way. And now I, I say this with, with a bit of gravity or a bit of seriousness because the end of John chapter 6, which we'll hear in four weeks or five weeks, we're going to hear this. John chapter 6, verses, I don't know, somewhere between 60 and 69. It's not numbered in the, in the lectionary, but it says this. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. So something happens. If you've never read John chapter 6, or if, if you're one of those people who's been coming to Mass, or maybe you've never been to Mass, and John 6 has been read, and you're just, you know, like, for whatever reason, you just weren't able to, like, really tune in, that's okay. Something happens in John chapter 6. Jesus has a discussion. He teaches something, and then he has a dialogue with the Jewish leaders, and something happens that even those who have chosen to give their life to him, those who have chosen to be his disciples, it says, many of them went back to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. You guys, that is super serious because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. And here we hear in John chapter 6 that many of his, his followers have chosen to not follow him. So when we come to Mass for the next few weeks, we really need to pay attention. I mean, we need to pay attention every time when we come to Mass. But for the next few weeks, and I'm actually, this is an invitation for you. When you go home, read John chapter 6. This week, next week, the week after, and the week after. Something can happen to us, right? I mentioned, right, if you've been coming to Mass for 51 years, or sometimes even less, we can hear these passages over and over and over again, and I worry, because I know this for myself, I worry that they can become almost too familiar to us. It can almost pass over our heads that Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I was thinking about that this week. All right, so okay, so this is, let's, let's do the second part real quick. Right, the Old Testament reading, Elisha the prophet, he feeds 100 men with 20 loaves of bread. A miracle in itself, right? Men usually want to eat a lot because they have a big appetite, right? He feeds 100 men with 20 loaves of bread and there was some left over. That's a miracle in itself, right? It's like, how in the world did he do that? Somehow, by God's grace, God made it happen. Right, so then what's the, res the responsorial psalm? The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs, right? So it's, a, it's showing that Elisha the prophet feeds these people, but it's not really Elisha the prophet. It's the Lord, the hand of the Lord feeding his people. Then we see in our gospel passage, Jesus not just doing this, but doing it incredibly more than Elisha the prophet. And I think sometimes it's such an incredible incredible miracle that we can almost sort of like be ho-hum about it because we're so accustomed to hearing about Jesus doing these amazing things. But think about that. Just think about it for a minute. 
How many of you parents have had to feed your kids and you've run out of food and you actually provided like a lot of food for them? Jesus has a small amount of food and he feeds 5,000 men, not counting the women and children the other gospels tell us. And then there's 12 baskets left over. They end up with more than what they started with. Right, let's not, let's not lose, and this, is, this in fact I think is what Jesus is trying to reveal to us in this first part of John chapter 6. He's trying to reveal to us who he is. We can, we can jump ahead and we can talk about what he talks about later in the gospel of uh, Mark, uh, John chapter 6, but I want to focus just on the miracle. Do you see the miracle? And what's your response to it? When you read this passage, maybe this is what you can do when you go home. John 6, 1 to 15. When you read this passage, what's your response inside? What happens to you in your mind and in your heart? How do you respond? Try to imagine being there and seeing this happen, this impossible thing happen. What was that like? And what happens inside of you? Because this is what Jesus is going to ask us next week. Why are you coming to me? What is the reason inside of you that you are approaching me? Is it just simply for what I can do to you? Or are you able to just simply get lost in wonder at the miracle that I have just performed? Are you able to see I can do anything? Because I'm God, as it turns out. Brothers and sisters, let's allow ourselves this week to get lost in wonder at who God is. So that when we come to Mass week after week after week, that wonder leads to pure worship before the Lord. Pure and unadulterated worship. That we can come and continue to just be amazed that our God comes to us and He feeds us over and over.